Hey, and welcome back to Giovanni Andreoli's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. Alright, everyone, welcome back to the show. Uh, today I'm talking about a movie that's been a long time coming. I think I intended to watch this movie probably two or three months ago at this point, maybe four, I don't know, it's been a while. But, regardless, I've been trying to get to it uh, for, for a long, long time, and we finally, we finally rented it the other day. And I just got to sit down and see the culmination of all this anticipation all this work to get here 1917 i'm just kidding i made it sound pretty dramatic it wasn't that big of a deal but i did attempt to see this movie multiple times and it just kept falling through but i'm glad i finally got to see it and i'm really excited to talk about it so without further ado let's get into this um the best way i heard this put was uh was in chris stuckman's review of the movie which i went back and watched before i sat down to record this roger deakins the end is essentially what he says. It's kind of a joke at the beginning, but honestly, that could sum up this movie for from my perspective too. One of the most uh, standout parts of this, I don't think that was the best way I could have said that, but um, one of the most distinct parts of this, there we go, first, first time's charm, um, <laughs> first try, uh, the, I should start over, just kidding, keep going, um, this movie isn't designed to look like one shot. That's what I'm trying to say. There's, uh, there's a few other movies that have been designed to look like this. Uh, Birdman, for a more recent example, with Michael Keaton and um, um, Emma Stone, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, I think probably one of the more famous ones from, from way back in the day, uh, Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock movie with Jimmy Stewart, which is a really, really good movie. I think... If you haven't seen it, you should get on that business. That's a really, really good movie, and Hitch is a great director, which, if you need me to tell you that, you've made some mistakes, but definitely, if you've got some time, if you're still not working, not going to school, whatever, I don't know, um, catch up on Alfred Hitchcock. Man, guy was a genius. Uh, Hot takes over here. I like to bring that to, to the internet, the world of movie reviews. Guys, Alfred Hitchcock was a good director. But um, but he was, and Rope is a really, really good movie, and it's super creative with how it uses the camera and how they managed to overcome the challenges of only being able to film for a certain amount of time with the cameras that they were using. It really pioneered the um, the the use of and the logistics of making a movie appear as if it was one take, and uh, and yeah, it's a really, really good movie. Um, but this movie is designed to look that same way. There's obviously, there's moments where you can pretty clearly tell there was a cut. Obviously, it's impossible to do a movie like this and never cut. That's just not feasible. But, um, aside from, like, when you can see the pretty obvious, uh, CG tree that's, like, used to blend shots or, you know, the screen goes all black for a moment when, when a character goes into a dark room or we, like, push in on their back and we keep going... Um, aside from that, it's pretty seamless, and a lot of the cut, the cuts I'm sure I didn't catch, but this movie is beautiful as hell. This movie is so, 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 so good. It's got an amazing color palette. It's got amazing shot composition. The way this camera moves, and just the, the way this movie was expertly planned out, it, I just... I can't even fathom the amount of work that went into making it look as good as it does. Not only is it so well lit, not only does the camera flow so well, but on top of being able to follow all the action and, and for the characters 
to always be exactly where they need to be in the frame and for the camera to never lose them. There's, it doesn't look like there's a, a single mistake in terms of where they wanted to place this camera. But th there, there's well-composed shots. Like, listen, I know most movies, most really good movies do have great shots, but, like, try to imagine getting a good shot, giving, getting the camera positioned perfectly to tell the story that you want to tell visually, but you're not... you're. You're always moving the camera. You're not cutting. That's crazy. Like you are, but but as far as the audience is is concerned, you aren't. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I'm gonna wait for an answer. Okay, good. Um, because it's just so impressive. I think the most like well, there's two. I think my favorite was probably well, I can say that for lighting. I'm just gonna say my favorite shot was. Uh, right when he gets to, he finally finds this, like, battalion that he's looking for. He's finally found this group of soldiers, and they're singing, which is a really, really powerful moment. It's the first moment he really gets to rest and stop. Well, I guess the, maybe me and the baby, but, like, it's, um, y you really feel the desperation and just the toll that this whole mission has taken on him in this moment. It's really, really powerful, but... As he's walking up, this is a great example, a textbook example of one of my favorite things in movies, which is a concept called framing within the frame. If you are a longtime listener, which <laughs> of course you are, why wouldn't you be? Um, you might recall that way, way back when I talked about all the Rocky movies, I think I split it up into a three-part series. When I talked about Rocky Two, I cited an example of framing within the frame with um, Adrian framed kind of like in between like a banister and a wall on a staircase. I don't know if that sounded familiar, but it's in Rocky II, and it was used to visually show the audience how alone and isolated Adrian is in this decision that Rocky's just made to, to go back and, and keep fighting despite the dangers that it, it poses for his health. And, um, despite Adrian insisting that he doesn't have to and he shouldn't and uh and that was a really great moment in that movie and it was one of my favorites of the film to the point where it's maybe the first shot I think of when I think of that movie which is weird there are so many more iconic and and more like you know visually simulating from a purely like um like popcorn movie perspective but from a film nerd perspective that's probably one of the better shots in the movie and um and this is a, a very similar moment, the isolation, the, the loneliness, but more the desperation and the point at which the, this character is in his journey. He's walking through a forest and he's framed between these trees, just this wide open swath of trees. And I really like the shot because visually it conveys everything you need to know about this person. He is one man against this wide open world and it's starting to swallow him. The walls are closing in. The trees are getting closer on either side. He's starting to get taken over by this dangerous and, and vast world that he's been traveling through and trying to avoid being killed the whole way just to, just to deliver this one message to save so many lives despite what it could mean for his own. And this shot just shows the isolation and the desperation and just the, you know, like I said before, he's just one man and it's just this whole big world all around him. He's framed perfectly within this frame. 
and I thought that was a really great moment of visual storytelling, which is one of my favorite things in movies. Uh, I think I talked about this very recently on another episode, but uh, I was interested in revisiting old comics because they were initially very verbose. They hadn't gotten the comic in comic book. They were still focusing on the book. There was a lot of writing, over-explaining of what was happening in the panels, and um, the characters straight up telling other characters exactly what they were doing while they were doing it. And it just came off as clunky and kind of ridiculous. And I think that it was interesting, and I talked about this, I'm 99% sure I talked about this very recently, uh, but it of how movies started out the other way. That movies have grown more verbose and less trusting of the audience, whereas they initially they were purely visual. You couldn't use sound to tell the story. And so I like when movies harken back to that idea. What much as comics have started to grow out of the book and and be more focused on the art and using the pictures to tell the story. I love when movies kind of throw back to that. And um and this movie is really really great for that. There's a lot of moments of very little dialogue. There's a lot of moments where they just let shots sit and let you really take in the desperation and the and just the absolute insanity of the situation and how dangerous it is and it's just it's just amazing and the work that must have gone into making everything look as good as it does like i said before i can't even wrap my head around it it's so impressive and it was easily my favorite part about this movie because if i'm being totally honest the performances aren't fantastic and it's not necessarily their fault there's not much for them to work with this really isn't about the characters, it's about the situation. And to that point, I, I understand, but I do wish that there was maybe just another pass of the script to maybe punch up the character moments and maybe make these people feel more realistic and more fully realized. Just flesh out their relationships and um, and their character traits a little bit more. I think that would have gone a long way in making this go on from like a really pretty good example of a of a war movie with a really great hook and a really beautiful look. But uh, but it could have catapulted it into being like a top ten like um, war movie of all time. But to circle back around to the shots, I think my two favorite moments of just pure visual beauty in this movie were when he's running through uh, um it, it, this whole se- it's this whole sequence. He's running through um all these bombed out buildings in this town, and the flares and like the explosions are lighting up the darkness and illuminating him as he just runs through this terrifying and and, um, terrible situation and then it's so beautiful once he he like you know he goes into the this flame engulfed like town square and um, I can't think this was before he meets the woman but regardless I know it's in the same sequence and he's just like it's beautiful, deep blacks against amazing, brilliant oranges, and um, and it just looks so good. And then you kind of see almost out of focus, this soldier kind of go up on him, and you're not totally sure what's going to happen. He attacks, and he starts uh, he starts running, and he eventually hides um, in in the this basement where he meets this woman, which is another very beautiful shot. Them illuminated by this lamplight, and they just look really, really well lit. And then um the very similar with the i was talking about um i was talking about how there was dark like very dark blacks and very uh, very bright oranges in just a couple shots ago it was a very similar thing 
uh, and even down to the an, a character out of focus with him fighting that soldier in like the that abandoned building he's like got him on the ground and he's trying to like choke him out and get him and get him uh incapacitated before this his uh his partner comes up and attacks from behind like sees what's happening in the dark and it's just like it's amazing how much they cram into that frame and then how that gets you going into this just a incredible just jaw-dropping action sequence it's so propulsive the score of this movie is fantastic from him everything from him running through this town in the beginning to him meeting the woman and when it kind of drops out to when it comes back in with the soldiers firing after him he's running through all these buildings the camera's following him perfectly on pace it's so propulsive he just keeps turning corners there's another soldier he has to reroute he's just running and running and there's just these brilliant blues and purples and it looks so beautiful and he jumps into this water and oh my god it was amazing it just it everything works so perfectly it's such a great sequence it's so oh man i can't say enough how much i love that part of the movie and uh and yeah like i said earlier chris Duckman said it better but i can expound upon it uh just a little bit just try to add something to it but roger deakins man roger deakins shot the hell out of this movie chances are if you don't know the name you definitely seen and loved a lot of his movies he's worked on some true classics he did uh fargo the big lebowski uh the well i was about to say this is a classic that's not true the village is not a classic but um shawshank redemption um what else? True Grit. Uh, more recently, Skyfall, Prisoners, Unbroken, which is very similar color palette to this one. Um, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, which he finally won an Oscar for. And then, yeah, most most recently was, uh, was this movie. No Country for Old Men. This man is an absolute genius. He's made some really classic movies. He shot the hell out of them. And, uh, and yeah, he never ceases to amaze and that includes this movie which just it's just bursting with colors and it just makes such a horrible time somehow look beautiful uh and i i mentioned before about how he uses shadows and and the lights cast among them to to show characters he does that in uh in like a trench kind of um makeshift office in the very beginning of the movie everything's dark except for these candlelit generals looks really really great playing with shadows and candlelight is very difficult and he somehow makes it look effortless and makes these characters just come alive i was really really impressed by that right off the bat and uh and yeah man i think i think that's about all i have to say visual storytelling uh that's a little lacking in the characters i will say i did appreciate that it shows the realities of war i know that that's I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but, like, in hardcore war movies, yes, you definitely get to see that war is horrible, and you get to see the toll it really takes on people, but there are certain movies, more mainstream movies, where you almost get the impression that, like, oh, war is fun if you're this character, war is fun if you're Captain America, or war is fun, it's a light-hearted romp if you're Indiana Jones, and I think that that's, you know... Uh, that's certainly an extreme side of the coin. It's not... In 1917, is not playing in the same genres that those movies I just listed are. But I think it's it's very valuable and a very deft tightrope that a movie has to walk to 
to still give you a very propulsive and like action-packed story, but to also convey to you that these were horrible, horrible times, and everything was was terrible and destroyed, and you know everything from buildings to people's lives to people's dead bodies, and they just crammed the frames in, throughout this movie with uh, with everything that's you know that's been ruined by this war. Like I said, whether it be buildings or bodies or, you know, rats crawling over um, corpses, it's just, it's really impressive, the set dressing and, and how they use even just background details to really show you the toll that this war has taken on all these people. I really, really appreciated that, and I thought that it went a long way to selling the reality of this movie. Uh, the production design was really, really great as well. And I did like that mistakes kept escalating throughout this whole movie. Something's always going wrong, something's always happening. Additional stakes and layers of conflict are continuously being added, which is another thing that I help, I think helped really keep it propulsive. And uh, and yeah, I really enjoy this movie, and I'm glad I finally got to see it. I, I would highly recommend it. It's very beautiful. This is a masterclass in cinematography for anyone who's trying to learn. And uh, I'm glad I, like I said, I'm glad I really... I finally got to see it, and um, and yeah, I think they could have used some improvements in the writing, but the the cinematography, the directing, more than makes up for it. The performances are really good, despite not being, you know, there's not really much for them to chew on, but I think they make it work with what they have, and this is a really really great movie, and I would definitely definitely tell you to check it out if you haven't yet. If you're like me and you've been you've been consistently accidentally avoiding it for months, okay? So there. Check it out. Oh, it's getting late. I don't know if you can tell. I'm kind of losing my mind, but I need to have something to put out for you guys tomorrow. You're welcome. Can wait for a response on that one, too. But in the meantime, I am grateful for... Oh, man. Uh, I guess access to food. I've said this one before, but I think it not only bears repeating, but I want to frame it in a sort of different context, which is that I am incredibly blessed and incredibly grateful for the ability to be able to still enjoy a lot of the things that I like to eat and still be able to eat and function as normally as I am used to and was able to do before all of this happened. I'm really, really um, just so, like I said before, blessed and grateful to have that. And I know that a lot of people don't, which makes it all the more important. And, um, and I don't know if that makes me sound conceited. My goal is to make me not, uh, not take this for granted, but that's something I always struggle with when I try to get more meaningful and less kind of humorous with these. But, you know, grateful can be both. It can be something as simple as, like, my dog made a stupid face and I got a, a picture of it and that made me laugh. But it could also be something as meaningful as still having access to essentials that I need to survive during a really difficult time. And, you know, the beauty of this segment is that it can it can span all of that and that it, none of it is more or less important to to not take for granted. So that's my goal is to is to show you that uh, you know that I 
I appreciate these things legit legitimately, and I understand what they mean. So yeah, in that way, I'm I'm grateful for that, and I understand that a lot of people haven't been afforded that luxury. So I'm just so happy that I have I'm in a place, and I I have a family who can provide for me and can help me, uh, still, you know, get what I need. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. All right. Thank you as always for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to what I had to say. If you enjoy the show, you could leave a rating or review right where wherever you get your podcast. You can do it in app, and it takes a minute. It really helps out. While you're there, you might consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. That would also be something that I would really appreciate. If you want to follow the show on Instagram for updates on when new episodes get posted and what the topics of discussion will be, you can do that at Movies and More Pod at, on Instagram. If you want to follow follow me personally on Instagram, uh, where I post a lot of shoe song recommendations from time to time, um, you can do that at gvangerly1 on Instagram. And if Instagram doesn't really float your boat, I totally get it. You can email the show with any comments, questions, concerns, or suggestions at moviesandmorepod at gmail.com. So thanks if you've done all that. And if you're going to, thank you in advance. I really appreciate it. And like I said before, thank you for listening. And I will catch you in the next one, but before I get out of here, um, there is not a very funny reference I can make to this harrowing World War One movie, is there? Idiot. Probably should have thought of that before I stopped the whole momentum of the podcast to try to deliver you my final quip. I wonder if, how many of you actually listened this far. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know how many of you are aware, but there are... And there are always outtakes and segments at the very, very end after the after the music rolls. I don't know how many people know that, but always listen to the end. I keep a little nugget of gold for you, just in case. Um, I don't freaking know. Bye. <laughs> That's my quip. Catch you after the music if you're a real fan. started why am i singing why did i even turn this mic on if i was just gonna start singing the song from the breakfast club i need a more um i need a more tonally appropriate song to start this episode with it's the scots that'll do it imagine you click on 1917 and instead of my regular intro and then it's like let's get into this this world war one movie that's super violent and, and really depressing i'm like we see the hype outside straight from the house yeah took it straight from us all right i'm just kidding i i actually have to get started this is ridiculous hey welcome back to tivon andrioli's movies and more what god damn it um hey welcome back to (laughs) oh i'm an idiot (laughs) oh my god okay let's do this for real